Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. Time for our weekly Q&A session with myself, Andrew Musgrove and our Newcastle United editor, Aaron Stokes. We are live on the Chronicle NUFC Facebook page, YouTube and Twitter and later on our podcast channel. And plenty to talk about, as usual, in the world of Newcastle United. A bit of transfer news, of course, two friendlies up at St James's Park as well. Newcastle coming out as winners in both of them against good European opposition. And myself and Alan will talk about what we think we've learned from those two games, looking ahead to that game against Nottingham Forest on Saturday. But first off, Aaron, I do think there's only one place to start, and that's not with Newcastle United. But it is with the fact that the women's England team have been crowned European champions after a terrific win over Germany last night. I think it's like 17 million people watched it live on BBC One, which is unbelievable. And it was just inspiring. It was motivating. And, and, you know, I think everybody got carried away. I'm sure you guys watching and listening uh, came along on the journey just like me and Aaron did. And, you know, what was really nice about it at the end, Gabby Logan signed off from her coverage on the BBC and she said, you think it's all over? Well, this is just the beginning. And fingers crossed, it is. Uh, the message there was kind of, it's down to the fans and the media to make sure that when this journey, when this train arrives at the next station, it's still full because in many ways, I suppose the worry is, is that, that the hype and the party atmosphere and the scenes we've seen over the last 24 hours, that will die off in the next few months. But fingers crossed it doesn't and it inspires the next generation of not just football fans but but young girls wanting to be footballers yeah 100% I think it um, it's a sort of a monumental day for them yesterday obviously it, it, it's game changing in terms of what it'll do for football in this country um, in terms of the female game um, yeah the last couple of weeks have been fantastic I think you know we've had some fantastic games the Norway win was a highlight the you know, the sort of excess here, Georgia Stanway's goal, and then obviously how brilliant yesterday was. So, yeah, yeah, really enjoyed it. Um, really enjoyed the full tournament, to be honest. And uh, I'm just glad that didn't go to penalties yesterday, to be honest. It would have been a bit I new. was dreading that. Yeah. And I just, that mean that the goal from two, in the, the first goal uh, that England scored, I've watched that several times again this morning. It's such a beautiful goal. The pass and then the finish to get it up and over the keeper. I mean, Harry Kane tweeted about what a good finish it was, and it was. It was unbelievable, and you know, I said, I've been watching that on repeat because it was just a, a... There are no words to really describe that goal, but from a northeast connection as well, I think we should be very proud of Lucy Bronze, Jill Scott, uh, Georgia Stanway as a Newcastle United fan, and those who have gone before as well. Steph Houghton, of course, wasn't in the squad. She's had a tough time with injuries, but she's part of that generation who really laid the foundation for what's happened but also for what's to come and flying that northeast flag i know a lot of them girls have mentioned they're from from down the road at Sunderland, but we should just be proud as a region that we've had 
you know, women who've really helped lay down the foundations, hopefully for a very successful um, future in, in the women's game. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, look, I don't want to take too much credit for this, but, you know, Beth Mead was one of the first footballer, no, sorry, the first footballer I ever interviewed. So I don't want to say I had a sort of an impact on her career at a young age at Sutherland, but yeah, not brilliant. Um, as you say, so many from the northeast, obviously Lucy Bronze for Manic, and as we've touched on, Beth Mead and Jill Scott. Um, just fantastic, yeah. Really, really good for the region, for the country. Um, and yeah, hopefully this is really the starting block for it. I mean, look, we've already seen it. The WSL gets crazy figures on TV and in attendances now. We obviously saw what happened at St. James's Park with the fourth tier women's side, which we know Amanda Stavely's going to try and put so much effort into over the next couple of years. A really exciting time for the game and, and for the uh, and for the females. Um, I mean, you mentioned there the Newcastle United game and I was at St. James's Park as many, many others were watching them take on Annick Ladies and it was a great, great day. And I left that game thinking I'm, I made a commitment to myself that I was going to get down to to more women's games and, and, and yesterday watching them win the, the European Championships has just kind of reaffirmed my desire to get down to, to watch Newcastle women's and it's such an exciting time to, to follow you know that side of Newcastle United because Amanda Stavely has made a commitment she wants to invest into the women's side and wants to see them go up the, up the tiers and, and become a force in women's football and you know I know times are tough so I'm not going to sit here and preach and say get down to the women's game but you know even just sharing some of the content the club put out you know just showing your support that way will will make the difference because that's what it's all about it's getting it out there and, and really supporting the women's side the Newcastle women's side in any way you can whether that is going on the terraces or whether like I say just sharing the content the club put out it all it all it all matters yeah definitely and I think you know the club will put on more games at Newcastle Park which I'm sure will attract even more, you know, mental attendances than they did earlier this year. Um, but yeah, look, it's fantastic for the club. It's fantastic for the region. It's good to see that, you know, something that was so abandoned by Mike Ashley has just been picked up by these new owners and, and they're really making a go of it. Yeah, 100%. So congratulations to the England women's side being crowned European champions. A superb tournament, a superb performance in the final. And yeah, hopefully... As we've just said there, it inspires the next generation. We're going to now look back on Newcastle's two friendlies up at St. James's Park. Interestingly, that they've, you know, they obviously played within 24 hours of each other, one against Atlanta and then one against Bilbao. I, I'm still not... I still don't quite understand why. I mean, was there any reason given to, to why they were in... You know, the, you know, the day after one another. I think, I mean, it made. I think it makes sense, and I think I was certainly came, coming away from the Saturday game thinking, why on earth have they not done this more often? They've had eighty-seven thousand fans in across two days. They've made a lot of money, the club, and also I think it gives all the players, you know, a good run out rather than just giving, you know, eleven players forty-five minutes and another eleven players forty-five minutes. I think it gives them uh, Eddie Howe and the players, you know, sort of a two good run out at once I think what we saw from the, the two friendlies was and I think um, and John Steele's just asked in the comments about the back four I think what we probably saw on Friday was the back five that he's going to play against Forrest I think Pope and then obviously Trippier target and I think Sean Bo uh, Sean Byrne don't think he'll start Bottom on Saturday you don't think he's going to start I don't think start? he's going to start him. No, I think claim. I think that was the five that he was going to that he's going to play on against Forrest and we we asked him about Botman on the Saturday how when he said that um, well I actually asked how on the Friday 
if he was tempted to play Botman because he played a very strong defence. And, you know, he just gave me the usual answer of, look, we've got a strong squad. I don't see it as a first 11 and a subs. I see everyone can play um, when asked. And then he was asked on the Saturday again about as to whether Botman was ready to start in the Premier League. And he said yes, but he also said again that there's competition for places. And I think he's going to do what he did with Bruno and slowly ease him in. I, just, I think on Saturday, I think it'll be the five. I'm going to disagree. I think Botman will start against Forrest and we will have our usual preview looking ahead to that Nottingham Forest game on Thursday with John Gibson. But I, I, I do feel Botman has shown why Newcastle want, have wanted him for so long. He's looking like a very good buy-in, especially for the for the cost as well. But there was just, just his performance against uh, Bilbao, a good European side, he just looked assured. And I get the case about settling them in, but you know this isn't mid. You know this isn't January. This is this is a start to a new season. He's had pre-season with Newcastle United. Eddie Howe's seen enough. They've scouted him for goodness knows how long. They know exactly where he's going to fit in. And I do think it would be a massive surprise if he, if he wasn't in that starting eleven against Forest. Uh, Botman was fantastic on Saturday. Really good. Looked slick. His passes were fantastic. He looks comfortable. He looks settled already. But honestly, Shaw and Byrne were fantastic together on Friday night. Really, really solid. And I think we know what Howe's like. We know, you know, he, with these new signings, he likes to just ease them in. And I, honestly, I won't be surprised if Botman starts. I hope Botman does be, start because I think, as Howe said, I think he's ready. But um, it would be a massive claim, a massive sort of decision to leave him out. But I think uh, I'm going to stick my neck on the line and say I think that's the back five on. Well, there we have it. I mean, you know, I think you can pretty much write out the rest of that the, the, the defence of Trippier on one side, Target on the other. I thought Martin Dubravka did his chances no harm. I mean, there was a, a few really good saves he made against Bilbao. A, a quick double save weight. He tipped it up in the air, didn't he? And he had to quickly react to, to push it from going over the line. I thought he performed really well. And I, I thought a lot of players actually that, that were playing on the Saturday... Um, did enough to maybe force their way into, into the thinking of Eddie Howe. But again, I do think the, the starting 11 on, on Saturdays, it's pretty much nailed on unless they go out and, and man, manage to sign, say, James Madison in the next few days. Because I do think, you know, you're going to have, like I say, a trippier target. I think it'll be Botman and Byrne. I then think it'll be Bruno, Joe Linton. Now, the injury with Shelby's an interesting one. He's set to miss that game. So then it's a... It's a to, that's the, probably the one position you're looking at and thinking who who fits in there. But then you have got Maxman, Fraser, or slash Miggy. You know, so yeah, I think, I, and I wrote about this on Friday. I think there's three positions that are aren't nailed on. I think centre back. I think I could easily see Botman not start, and I think down the right. I think Miggy starts, but I think you could if Fraser starts, it's not too too much of a surprise. And I honestly, it, I mean, look, I'm not going to tell Eddie Howe how to do his job because he's certainly a better manager than me. But I would love to see Anderson start over Willock on Saturday. Anderson again was the best player on the pitch on Friday. He was absolutely, he, he just looked so at ease against you know Champions League side. Yes, admittedly it's a preseason friendly, but he looked really good. What I, what I loved when I wasn't at the game, I was watching it on, on, on the stream, but what I, I, I love is you could see him dropping deep. I'm, I'm, he, he was, when the defender had the ball, he was gesturing and moving his hands 
and he was saying, I want the ball at my feet. And when he didn't get it, he, he threw his arms in the air. He just wants the ball, the ball at his feet. And that shows an arrogance in many ways. It shows a confidence, you know, for a young lad who knows exactly what he's fighting for. So you've got that added pressure as well. He's fighting for his place in the starting eleven at the start of this, what is going to be a, hopefully a tremendous journey for Newcastle United up to the, the upper regions of the Premier League into European football. You know, he's got family history here at the club. He's a Geordie, he's a fan. So it, you've got all these elements on top of that, and it's not just fighting for a place in the starting eleven, but he just looks assured. And for him to, to be in the battle, knowing the names that are around him, knowing what's at stake, with that crowd as well, and just telling experienced players, give me the ball, and then showing frustration when he's not getting it. He, he does look a talent, and it's a big, big decision though, isn't it? Because if he keeps them, and he doesn't get regular game time, we've mentioned this previously, is that going to be detrimental to Elliot Anderson? Because surely you've got to be, for him to keep on developing, he needs game time week in, week out, doesn't he? Yeah, 100%. He either needs minutes in this first team, and if they can't guarantee him regular minutes, then just send him out and run for another season. I, I don't, I'm not against sending him out, but I would just love, love to see him get a proper chance. And I just think, you know yourself how good Saturday is going to be. The atmosphere is going to be electric. And I just think, throw him in from the outset, first game of the season, you've got nothing to lose. If he plays like he did against Atlanta on Friday, there's absolutely no issue with with him starting against Forrest for me. He, he took the headlines again, as he has done all pre-season. Um, now, look, I, I think if if you put a gun in my head and said who's going to start, I think he would start Willock, but I would like to see Anson in there. I thought Willock did all right against yeah, Bilbao. He you know, he's, he, he's looking like he's got a bit more energy about him. He's 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 a bit more driven it looks like and I, I, I do think we've seen an improvement as we have really across the board with Newcastle United under Eddie Howe when it comes to players who weren't performing under the last manager um, I was at the game against Bilbao I thought Wilson looked sharp you know the really good finish fast feet clinical I thought Alan St Maxim we saw what he can do I mean the finish it was, was really really good you know great ball from Joe Linton and it's a maximum calves at the pitch and puts it around the keeper. But we also still saw the little bits of his game where he's holding on the ball too long and tries to take on an extra man. But people in the comments, people listening to this will probably just say, you know, you just got to take the the, the the rough with the smooth, I guess. And just he, he's going to lose it. He's going to lose the ball every three or four passes, but he's going to do something magical like we saw with that finish. I thought Bruno and Joe Linton, there's an arrogance about them in the middle of the park. I mean, Joe Linton looks like a man who knows just how good he is like the, the little touches he, and them two together look like they've got a stuck with a real partnership and um, I, you know I came away thinking yeah they look they, they do look a little bit arrogant but in a good way for Newcastle United Gumaresh again just showing his class I thought Botman as I've mentioned uh, some really nice touches but the one person I do want to just have a bit of a word about and you can pick up on anything I've just said there in a moment Aaron but is, is Matt Ritchie because we did have a little bit of a feisty discussion not too long ago where I kind of wrote him off uh, and you said he's a good player to have around the squads and I'm going to I'm gonna backtrack and I'm going to say actually Thank Saturday Saturday I can see after watching Matt Ritchie against Bilbao I can see where you're coming from because I thought I was in the Leasers end and the lower tier and you could just hear Matt Ritchie shouting time and time again and you know he's telling the defence to get out he was organising players on dead ball situations he then was you know trying to kind of shoulder 
uh, Matty Bonds well into the right position, just kind of trying to nurture him uh, when he came on. And I thought, you know, actually, I did actually think Aaron, Aaron was right here. because <laughs> <For once. laughs> That's the kind of experience and leadership you need around the dressing room when times are tough. You need someone who's just going to shout up and, you know, and make their voice heard. Someone Eddie Howe trusts, clearly they've got that relationship. I did think, play, from a playing point of view, though, he didn't stick to his position. He was often running into the centre. He was running around after the ball, a bit like a headless chicken. But then... The, the flip side of that was you could hear him talking and chatting mm. and shouting away and I think that is going to be really key even if he is on the touchline or even if he's not in the match day squad I think during the week in the stands you know coming down maybe into the dressing room at half time just having a little bit of a word uh, and I thought yeah I thought Saturday okay I can see why maybe Eddie Howe and Aaron Stokes <laughs> wants to keep Richie around the Newcastle United dressing room look I mean I hate to say I told you so but this is this is exactly what I was meaning the other week. Um, yes, maybe the legs have gone a bit. Yes, maybe he isn't the type of player that he was four or five years ago, but he offers a lot in that dressing room. Eddie Howe really, really respects him. He's a leader. And I did notice that that it was about 25 minutes in the game on Saturday and um, there was just a sort of momentary lull in the game. Nothing was really happening. The crowd wasn't really saying anything. Um, and there was just a moment of quietness in James's Park and then all he could hear out of nowhere was just Richie barking orders across the pitch and I was just sat there thinking it's exactly what he offers he's, he's really really good as you've said with the youngsters he takes care of the sort of younger players um, that come into the team look I don't think there's going to be an abundance of offers from this summer I equally don't think you'll get much game time but I think he's a good member of the dressing room to have around and he's and I wouldn't be not be against it all keeping him and giving him I thought performance wise he did alright as well I think in a cup game or some cup games or you know lesser important games a season I think he can still do a job so mm. I, I was I was happy to be you know vindicated with that um with Richie on the on the other players that you touched on Bruno is I mean I'm just I just I'm sick of I'm sick of praising him every week it doesn't matter if it's a pre-season friendly it's Arsenal at home he's just he's just so good I, I do think what was and this is going to sound a bit strange saying this, what was good, I'm, I'm searching for a better phrase there, but we'll stick with good, was due, uh, during the game against Bilbao, he did give the ball away a couple of times, and I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. You know, Obviously, if it costs Newcastle United a goal in a competitive game, then yes, it's a bad thing. But what I mean in terms of it being a good thing is that it kind of just reminds you that he's going to make mistakes. Yeah. He's not this superhuman football player. He is world-class, you know, where it wouldn't out of... Uh, things to say that we haven't already said about how good he is but I just thought you know when he's he give the ball away a couple of times I just I thought that that's good because it brings down that kind of expectation yeah. that you know he's gonna have a, he's gonna have a bad game at one point and that might run for three or four games mm-hmm. but we know class what they say class is permanent form is temporary but I just thought I noted that I just thought yeah it's not necessarily the worst thing that he's, he's making a couple of mistakes here or there yeah there was a couple of wayward passes in the first half um, which I, I did notice as well but I just think the Newcastle when they counter attack and he gets the ball, he's so quick at just turning the game on its head. He's getting Maxi away straight away. He's darting past players. He was really, really good on Saturday at the thing you love him for, and that was winning those fouls in the middle. When he looks like he's running out of options and he can just nick a foul. Really, really excited to see him this season if he can just keep progressing. Um Joel Linton again I thought was good. I, I really like the pair of them together. 
Um, and I think, obviously, with Shelby being out, I think it, it, it probably will be them too and Willock. I know I've just seen somebody in the comments there. Sorry, I, I don't know who said it, but someone said that thought. Um, Sean Longstaff will start. Maybe, I think Long, Longstaff's had a good pre-season. I, I he think it will fresh. be Longstaff. Personally, if Shelby's out, which we think he's going to be. Do you think it'll be Jolent and Bruno, Bruno and Longstaff? Okay, I think I think it'll be Jolent and Bruno Willick. But, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I don't think it really matters. I think Longstaff's looked really good. Willick looked good on Saturday. Um, he maybe needs to be a little bit sharper, but, look, I mean, it's it's still pre-season, isn't it? It's going to take a couple of weeks to get up to speed, but Longstaff looks notably fitter, I think, and yeah, I think he's had a really good pre-season. If you were John Joe Shelby and you're sitting in the stands, I don't, I mean, I don't know if he was there, you're sitting at home watching this, are you looking upon these final two games of the pre-season and going... Yeah, wrong time, wrong time to get injured, isn't Definitely, it? Hundred percent, and especially for Shelby because he's he's been so good this preseason, and every time you know he, he was picking up the ball in, in the Austria games, he was really really dangerous. And I think especially for him, he's he's had so many preseasons under you know managers that we won't name, where he's just gone through the motions and his fitness hasn't been right. We know that obviously he's spent a big chunk of this summer in in Turkey with a personal trainer. He's really been putting the hard yards in um, on the training pitch to get up to speed. You know, he's probably looking the fittest he's looked while in the Newcastle shirt. And then obviously he's he's going to be probably out for about a month. So it's a tricky one. We've got uh, L Stapleton asking there, sure the difference between Botman and Bruno is that Botman has had a preseason to acclimatise. And I, I, I think that is the difference. I think that is why you'll see Botman starting against Forrest. I'm... I'm now I'm. I was always already looking forward to Saturday, but I'm looking forward to it now because we've got this little wager now, of who it's going to be, Botman or no Botman. Um, look, as I've said earlier, I would love to see Botman from the start. I think it would be great if he could get him in, but I don't know. I've, I've just got a little feeling. If Botman had started on Friday, I would have thought he'd start, but I just think that back five looked really solid against Atlanta, and I think and I think how knows that. But look. It, it's a very, very, very good dilemma to have. Certainly is. Um, obviously, everyone knows Newcastle are in need of a centre forward. Did Chris Wood do enough? We know he scored the penalty on Friday, but did he do enough to convince you that actually, if they end the transfer window without a third striker, it's not necessarily the worst thing in the world? Or, or, or Newcastle? I mean, getting a striker in just has to be, a, you know, the top priority. Um, I. <sighs> Very well taken penalty. Good that he wanted it. He needs the confidence. But I think his his game apart from that, um, it, it didn't really sort of catch the eye. Friday was a weird one. You know, it was a second string attack. Um, it was a really scrappy, typical preseason game where neither team really got a hold of the game. So maybe you could put it down to that. But if Chris Wood went out on Friday night with the aim of allaying any fears about it being him and Wilson then he yeah he didn't really do a good job I don't think look but I think he just does not look like he fits this system and I think it's a shame because we had such a good January transfer window and every single player's hit the ground running and Trippier's loved and Bruno's loved and I feel for Chris Wood because he was such a good striker for Burnley and he's just it's just not working out for whatever reason but yeah it was just another sort of average game from Friday I thought Mm, it's going to be interesting and we're going to get on to transfers um, later on in the show so do stick with us um, but just to, to finish off on that point there about the strikers 
and this is links into the chase of James Madison and what have you like I said we will discuss that in a moment but the fact that a right winger quite clearly seems to be Newcastle's top priority with the players that are being linked to does that bemuse you slightly now obviously we don't get to see what goes on on training ground and the player and the people making the decisions are much more experienced than us in, in, in professional football and, and what have you and they will know you know what they want but just looking at it for me you know you have Ryan Fraser you have Jacob Murphy and you have Miguel Almiron and we were talking last week about you know the levels now James Madison clearly is um, better in my view than Harrison um, I haven't seen him for DRB to, to make a comparison but I do think he would be an improvement on the three that I've just mentioned but if you don't get Madison in I don't think it's the end of the world if you don't get another right winger in it's not the end of the world what for me would be a blow is if you are starting the season or the window closes with just Wood and Wilson that to me is, is worse than not getting in the right winger yeah I, I agree and I think Howe probably knows that I think you know he really trusts Miggy, he really trusts Fraser he's, he's worked with Fraser for years he even he loves to give Jacob Murphy go as well I think he knows that if push comes to shove and if we get September 1st and he hasn't signed a right winger it's not the end of the world I agree completely and everybody everybody you speak to says it Daniel Polly has just hit the head, like nail on the head there we know that Wilson is so injury prone and could quite easily we could be in October before the World Cup and he could have suffered an injury that leaves you with Wood Dwight Gales obviously was always going to go so that's obviously another body out the door um, so the priority definitely needs to be a striker, 100%. But I think Howe knows that and they're, and they're trying behind the scenes. Yeah, want to keep updated on. We will talk about transfers later in the show. Um, just a few uh, points to make. If you listen to this on the podcast, please remember to like and follow the podcast through your podcast provider and leave us a rating and review if you get the chance. It's a pleasure as well to say that uh, for the month of July, we smashed 100,000 downloads for the Everything is Black and White podcast, which is an amazing achievement. We finished somewhere in the region of 108,000, which we're over the moon with, but that's all down to you guys tuning in and listening. So we thank you guys for being part of the journey without the listeners and viewers. Um, we wouldn't have a podcast to put out. So thank you guys for sticking with us. And uh, there'll be loads of good stuff to come this season, a few new shows in the works as well. So keep an eye out for that what we're going to do now is we're launching a, a new survey called the big newcastle united forum and what we want is you guys to answer seven questions to tell us out of 100 how happy you are with certain elements of the club i will pop the link to this forum uh, forum slash survey in the comments and into the podcast description for you guys to take uh, to take part in um, me and Aaron are going to discuss two questions of the questions that are on offer for you guys to answer. The first one is, um, how much trust do you place in the manager and coaching staff to achieve success for the club out of 100? It's high. It's got to be high. Um, you know what it is? Eddie Howe is such a safe pair of hands. I think I'd trust him quite quite a lot. I'm going to go 85. Is that too high? No. 85 no I mean I'll go 85 it's, why it's, not it's, it's, it's I mean out of 100 for me it's it's a bit of a, a difficult one to to rank um, I think that's a big number you know but 85 no I don't I think 
what I've always said is with, with Newcastle United and the way this takeover's gone and, and Eddie Howe, that I don't think it's going to be like every other big takeover we've seen. I don't think if he goes through a bad run, he's necessarily then going to get the boost. I think they're going to back him and back him and, and really until it, until they can't back him anymore because I think he's he, you know he's done enough to earn that, but also you know he's clearly very well liked by the hierarchy up there. Um, and yeah, I mean you've got to trust your manager, haven't you? It's it's yeah. you have to trust your manager because otherwise, what's the point? They clearly trust him because they brought him in after despite the fact he got Bournemouth. You know, relegated. He's been out of the game for a long time. They brought him in, despite the names everyone was expecting them to appoint. Didn't get off to the best of starts. I mean, how many weeks did it take till he got his first win against Burnley in the Premier League? It was quite a, quite a while, wasn't yeah. it? So you know, and then they backed him in the January market. They've backed his plan. They've backed the players that he wants to bring in, and they've done it again this summer. So clearly, they trust him. Uh, and you know he's brought in his own members of staff he trusts them they've got a good working relationship it's worked well so far you know and you know if, if a man of Staveley me and dad could do see the PIF and Jamie Rubin trust the, trust the manager then that's enough for me so um, yeah I, you know what I'll go 70 you know give him a little bit of um, a little bit of room to, to work on I think the reason I've given him such a high score is because he came in at a really precarious time. Yes, look, the takeover had happened, but it was still very much a club in demise under Mike Ashley, um, which essentially before Howe came in was sleepwalking towards relegation. And I think what he's done to completely flip that around in less than 12 months, just the little changes he's made, you know, behind the scenes, what he's done with the players' fitness, you know, his mantra of, you know, there's no dead games, you know, every single game, a pre-season friendly, a training game, he wants to win. For me, that's why, you know, I know the club are in safe hands because unlike previous managers, you know, there's a real expectation that every single player has got to be on their game every single day, um, which can only make the club stronger. I think he's done well to sort of mend the relationship with the fans um, who clearly respect him. Performances were good, results were good. So, yeah, look, 85 for me. 85. If you guys want to pop your thoughts into the comments, we'll read the best out there. The second question we're going to answer is, how happy are you with the club's transfer business? Now, that leads on to the next part of the podcast, obviously, with the chase of James Madison and also Newcastle being linked to Timmy Werner from Chelsea and Maxwell Corney from Burnley. But so far, the players have signed this summer, uh, Nick Pope, Sven Botman, and Matt Target's back in. Have you missed anyone out? Don't think I've ever. Three? Pope, Target. Botman, yeah, yeah. Three. yeah, yeah. I don't think we've missed no. <laughs> it's been a long summer. Um, out of 100, how happy are you with it so far? Mm, this is this one's harder. I think I would go 60. I, I still feel that's too high, right? I, I'll tell you what, I'll justify it 60 because Botman's a very, very shrewd addition and he was their top target in January. He was their top target all summer. They went out, they've got him, they've beat Milan. He looks like, to you know, use a very, very old cliche, he looks like an absolute Rolls-Royce of a player. Uh, Nick Pope was really, really good as well. Good addition for a nice bit of money. Matt Target was really, really good. So um, that is good. The reason it's not high is because we know they really need one or two more bodies up front. They know they need another strike and we know that they've been really frustrated so far. So... 
it's 60 at the minute. If they can get a striker in, it goes to 80. And if they get a striker and a winger in, it goes to 99. 99. We've got Jason Scott there saying, I think if we've got a big slum, the public investment fund wouldn't hesitate to replace how it's been softly, softly so far, but I imagine the PIF will be ruthless if they need to be. In terms of my rating out of 100 for the business so far, I'm going to go slightly higher. I'm going to go I'm going to go 80, right, based on the fact that they haven't had a scattergun approach. And it would be so easy for Newcastle United, given the perceived wealth they've got, to go, right, we need to fill these positions and just go after everybody under the sun. But what they've done is, is they've stuck with Botman. They've stuck with Techie. Now, it didn't come off, but you know they, they, they didn't move from their top two targets. They've gone and signed Matt Target after having... You know, I mean, that is, in itself was a really clever deal. Get him on a loan, see how he does, impress us. He's handled it well. Bring him back for, what, 15 million yeah, I thought that's a really good deal. Nick Pope. I mean, Nick Pope could turn out to be the bargain of the summer, really. I mean, £10 million or so for an England international, Premier League experience. He's clearly a very good goalkeeper. I mean, I think that's, that's, a, that's a bargain. So I think that's really clever. But I go with the Eddie just because their approach, I think, has been spot on in terms of not panicking, not being held to ransom, and, you know, just really going at the selling clubs and saying, well, look, here's our offer. You want to charge us twenty million pounds more? We'll walk away, and you know we might come knocking again in in two months' time, and we'll see if your price comes down. I just I've just been impressed the fact that they've not gone down the route of paying silly money and going after everybody. And yes, they need another striker, they need uh, a winger, but you know there's still time to get that in. They've been trying, they've been active, and they've been they've not been reactive. I think it's the right word. Whereas under Ashley, it was always right at the end. Oh, maybe panic. Yeah, panic. And I, I just think the approach earns them a solid, solid 80 for me. And like you say, striker comes in, it'll go up slightly. But um, there's a few other questions that you, know, you guys can answer. Like I say, I'll pop everything into the comments that you need to click on. It'll take you five minutes or so, but it'll be well worth getting your views on there. We've got Jordy Toon for life saying, um, trans window, he's going to go for 70 so far. The defence was terrible last season at the start. Uh, we're in a winger plus one mid, one more midfield player is what he would like to see. Uh, Jason says Port with a top defence will be incredible. Um, yeah, I agree. I think they have huge, huge potential there. I'm really excited to see how Nick Pope does. Great to have a battle as well between two quality goalkeepers. It's going to be really interesting to see if, if Nick Pope starts, does Martin Dubovka stick around and take him on or does he push for an exit? Talking on transfers, we will now head into the the latest with James Madison. And we were Aaron talking not too long ago as 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 and we were just ten minutes ago or so about levels and who is out there that is better than Miggy, that is better than Ryan Fraser, uh, and better than Jacob Murphy, who was who was a realistic target as well, because obviously you could name several players who are better than those three, but we were after realistic targets and last week we struggled didn't we we struggled to draw up a realistic list of players who could come in and provide an upgrade and do better James Madison is one of those players you know he wasn't on my radar when we were talking about it last week but he would be an instant upgrade I mean 12 Premier League goals uh, last season 8 assists I think he scored 18 overall England International you know with the World Cup on board as well added added motivation for him to have a have a good start to the season 
Newcastle, £40 million bid being rejected. We're not whether to go in um, for him again. Reportedly, £60 million might be enough to twist the arm of Leicester. Would that be a, a good deal for Newcastle United, do you think? Yeah, it would. Um, well, mm, it, I think bringing Madison in would be good um, because, as we say, he's, he's a level above. £60 million is steep. Um, but I think Leicester have got themselves into these... Well, sorry, other clubs have, have got Leicester into this situation because when Harry Maguire goes for £80 million, you know, and are they really going to sell Madison on the cheap? Probably not. Um, Madison's a weird one, I think, like from Newcastle's point of view because he's not... I don't actually think he is a winger, really. He's more of a number 10. Um, and it's this question that we've had the last couple of weeks, you know, is, do they need Paqueta? When he's a ten, do they need Madison if, if he's essentially going to take one of those three midfield slots? Um, you know, I was reading over the weekend an interview that Madison did a couple of years ago when he said that you know he wasn't really a fan of playing down the left when Rogers you know put him there um, on the odd occasion. So look, yeah, there's, there's no denying that James Madison um, is a fantastic footballer who would raise the game. I would love to see him in Newcastle shirt. It's just crazy to think that a year ago we'd be sat here talking about potentially getting. Madison in rather than Hamza Chowdhury on loan from Leicester but um, yeah weird well obviously we, kn- we know over the weekend that um, Newcastle put an offer in for just under 40 million Leicester have rejected it uh, Rogers came out last night and said that uh, well joke that the first offer would only get them three quarters of his left leg um, which I think makes him probably about 200 million altogether if we added up but um yeah, look, I think from what we've heard, they're going to go in with another one um, with a second improved offer. I don't think they'll, um, I don't think they'll end up paying sixty million for him because I think it's a, it's a big amount of money. It's a big outlay for a position that you don't really need to strengthen. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what Leicester do when, when another bid comes in. I mean, Brendan Rodgers' comments were quite interesting because he was also asked about Fafana, who's been linked with a move, and he came out and said he's not for sale. On uh, Madison, he said he's a player we do not want to sell. Now, guys, listen to this. You'll be accusing me of maybe reading too much into it. But, Aaron, is, is, is there a noticeable difference in that? Because, you know, surely you would just say he's not for sale as well. Yeah, I think it was telling that in the same interview, you know, there was two slightly different answers for two players that they clearly want to keep. Um, you know, Fafana has just signed a new deal at Leicester. Um which is probably going to, you know, sort of fend off Chelsea's interest. I think Leicester are desperate to try and get Madison tied down to a new deal. Um, but, you know, from the reports that we've been hearing, he's open to the move. So, yeah, I think it really depends how, you know, we know Leicester are one of those clubs that probably need to sell. You know, they're the only, I think they're the only team in the Premier League not to sign a player. Um, there's talk of Tealmans, Barnes, Madison going. Um I'm surprised that the club, you know, haven't really pushed for Barnes more, given that, you know, he's a wide um, a wide midfielder, you know, he, he can play down the lines. But yeah, look, um, as I said, it's, it's it's how much can he test Leicester's resolve, you know, how desperate are they to sell? And can Newcastle try and get, you know, quite like a sort of cheeky deal out of them? Someone joked, and I have a feeling that it might have been you last week in the office. Did you did you joke about Iosi Perez? Someone joked. Yeah, to me. Uh, yeah, I jo- that was that was me. I joked about well, Perez now, going back. Now let's be serious now, and guys in the comments get involved. Um, would you, would you, would you take him back? I mean, I, when I said that you last week, I was joking, wasn't I? But now I'm thinking about it seriously. 
it would depend on the deal, wouldn't it? Um, it would depend how much. I mean, paying thirty million after what we sold him for, I don't think he's done enough at Leicester. But he hasn't really been given the game time. He was really, really good in the last two seasons for us. When he started off slow, but towards the end of his time on on Tyneside, he was really, really improved. Oh, I don't know, you know. It, that would be such a weird mood if he, it move if he came back, wouldn't it? Roger Cook there <laughs> says uh, 100% no from me. Jason says Perez is... I'm not going to finish that sentence. But um, yeah, so, okay, a couple of people are definitely against that. Um, it's interesting, though, isn't it? Because Leicester in that position that they are, you know, needing to sell before they can buy. And I've, you know, done this many, many times, especially before the takeover was before the takeover went through and, and after the takeover as well, going, well actually Leicester Leicester's what Newcastle should be aiming for. But it's also serving as a as a big warning to, to the hierarchy that actually if you spend all this money then finishing missing out on the Champions League two seasons in a row, you know, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. You need to make sure that you're you're seeing sustained success to to make sure that the financial fair play doesn't hit you and, and, and what have you because you can't keep spending this money and just finishing, you know, just outside the, the top four places. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's why, you know, it's been so positive to see um, Newcastle, um, you know, spending the money wisely and sort of not bowing down to these huge demands that clubs have been putting on them um, when they're making, you know, transfer inquiries. And like you said, it saves them from a sticky situation further down the line if things don't go to plan with, you know, their sort of aspirations to, to break into the top eight. So... Yeah, I think it's interesting to see that Leicester are obviously going to maybe have to flog one or two of these sort of bigger names. Ideal for Newcastle if they can pick up one or two. Look at these comments. No one wants Perez back. I'm not saying I do. I was just trying to provoke a bit of debate and it seems like it's a very one-sided debate. Don't think Perez is worth 35 million to start with. Um, and a few other people uh, throwing that suggestion out of the window. A lot of people asking about Timmy Werner then, you know, a man signed huge potential, hasn't quite worked at Chelsea. And I do wonder whether that's the Chelsea system, the Chelsea way, so to speak, or whether he's just not all that right for the Premier League. And that's easy for me to say here, someone who's never played in the Premier League or at any decent level of football. And uh, I always feel bad when I say, you know, is he good enough for the Premier League? <laughs> Clearly, he's a good uh, footballer. But, you know... What's the latest on this 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 interesting winner? And, and is he a, is he a man you think would would do a job at Newcastle? I'd be really excited to see Timo Werner at um, Newcastle. Yes, you know he's had his sort of well documented struggles at Chelsea, but there's a player in there. Definitely, there's a goal scorer in there. I think if you look back to what he did did at Leipzig in the Bundesliga, um, you know when he was full of confidence. I think he's a confidence player, and he hasn't really had that at Chelsea. Um, the latest on it is, look, we know the player wants to leave because, you know, he's desperate to um, to get regular game time before the World Cup, as, as a lot of players will. Tuchel was quite baffled last week that Wernad came out and said that, and don't think Tuchel took it too well. Um, we know he's on huge wages at Chelsea. We know he's on probably two hundred and seventy grand a week. Um, any loan deal would would require you know cooperation from Chelsea paying a large amount of that. I would say probably over fifty percent or fifty percent. I think Newcastle really don't want to um, shatter this wage structure that they've got in place. Um, and finally, and I think probably most importantly, is that we know not a lot of clubs are after him. Um, there's been talk of a Leipzig return. Um, 
there's talk of Arsenal, there's talk of Madrid, there's talk of Juventus, who I know, um, I know Werner's agent visited Juventus in February, so they've had this sort of state their claim months ago. Um, but I, I honestly, I agree with both Daniel and William there, the two recent comments. I think it would be a no-brainer if they can get him in. And I think if you can get him confident in playing football, then I think it would be a good signing. Um, do I think it'll happen? Probably not. I think there's too many variables out there now. I think there's too many other clubs interested that, that will probably be able to pay a bigger chunk off from European football. He's playing at a high level, but look, it'd be a great deal and it's good to see the club you know, going after these sort of um, high-value targets. Corny from Burnley is the other one. Wasn't in the matchday squad when Burnley took on Huddersfield. That was a tremendous game, I thought, as well. Burnley looked really good. Companies seems to have uh, worked his magic during the pre-season. I believe Corny was not in that uh, squad. He'd scored nine goals last season as Burnley were relegated. He's a uh, he's another player, a bit like Anson Maxman, who gets fans off their seats. Um, What's the latest on that one? Do you think he's someone that could end up at Newcastle this summer? Um, yeah, we know that Newcastle have been offered uh, Corney quite a while ago now, about six weeks ago, when Burnley were trying to sort of flog him. Um, the release clause is £17.5 million. Um, We were all sort of sat in the press room at St James' Park on Friday and the team news from Burnley filtered through and we all sort of looked at each other. No Corney in the squad. Um, we did try and get someone out of Eddie Howe after... Um, after the game and in typical Eddie Howe fashion, he sort of played it down and said that he can't talk about other team's players. He can't, um, he can't, you know, sort of discuss anything like that. He said he didn't know as to any reason as to why Corney was missing. You know, he's got a very good poker face, Eddie Howe. You never know, you know, how true these things are. But um, look, he, he would fit the bill. He wouldn't smash the wage structure. He wouldn't strike... The transfer budget at 17 million. I know. I think Newcastle are trying to get that down, um, and I think the further we get in the window, Burnley are going to need to sell him this summer because he doesn't want to be there. Um, so they might be able to sort of shave a few millions off that. He plays down the left, which would probably see Maxi move over the right. But again, I think I think if you if you're paying 12, 13 million for him, I think he'd be a good addition. Mm. Um, but yeah. How was asked about transfers, and he said. It's about getting the right players in, not the speed in which we get the players in. So we're working hard behind the scenes to try and make that happen. There is clearly an air frustration, I think, from from Howe and, and, and the, the hierarchy there. Things, I know, have maybe slowed a little bit. But again, we go back to that word of panic. There is there is no panic, is there? Um, no, I don't think there is at the minute. But I think, you know, you could tell on Friday night when we, when we put it to Howe, I think he was... For the first time this summer, maybe notably frustrated. Um, and he, he did say he wasn't frustrated with the club, um, but he said he was just sort of more frustrated as to how the market was playing out. I, I think he thought, um, if you'd asked him a month ago, I think he thought he'd have another attacker in by Forrest, which, I mean, we asked him on Friday whether he thinks there'd be another body in, and he said, never say never. Um but he also said he's been in the game long enough not to give us a direct answer, which he very rarely does. But uh, you know, you've got to love him. He um, he keeps his cards close to his chest. But for the first time this summer, I thought there was a visible, and he sort of let us know that he was for the first time a bit concerned that you know they hadn't got another player in. But they're really trying hard behind the scenes to get two bodies in before the end of uh, August, and I think they'll do it. They've, you know, they've got a couple of um, 
a couple of ideas in the pipeline and I, and I think they'll get one or two in before the end of the month. There's still, still a month to go, isn't there? So still plenty of time. Roger there says Corner's stats uh, are okay and okay addition maybe below the level we are looking at. But again, I, I, what I would say there is we just have to remind ourselves of what was happening in last summer's transfer window and the, the, the windows before that. You know, if you're going out and signing Corner, who is someone who does get fans off the seat, you know, that's sometimes a lot more than we used to see in Newcastle United. So it might just be a case of remembering that Newcastle, where they've come from, and that they're on a slow build as well. Slow and steady is always the kind of the phrase a man of stability is used. And I don't think it's um you know it's a bad thing to look back on, on on that phrase and just remind ourselves of where Newcastle are going to, but also where where they've come from. Um, let's talk about then something a little bit different just to wrap up. Uh, I'm, what I've done is I've created an everything is black and white podcast fantasy premier league I'll put that into the comments and in the, the description for the podcast as well and guys I want you to, to join it just for fun um, hopefully we'll get a fair few of you in there and me and I would have picked our teams and he's going to pop the teams onto the screen you can uh, hopefully see them there um, I think they're on the screen now all good yep Grand. Um, I'm going to read through mine and then uh, Aaron will read through his and then we'll uh, hopefully get your comments on ours as well. Um, so I've gone, I'm just going to read through the whole squad. I've gone Alisson, uh, Gazinia, uh, Alexander-Arnold, Trippier, Dunk, Shizenko, Son, Ward-Prowse, De Bruyne, Bruno, Jesus, Wilson, Watkins, uh, Iobi and uh, Walker-Peters. And the first question... I'm going to ask. Well, actually, yeah, and what we'll do is I'll get you to read to read yours out first and then we'll dive in. Yeah, so my team at the minute, I mean, this might change before the uh, before the first game on Friday. Um, I've got Edison in goal and uh, subkeeper is Brentford's Raya. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Rhys James, Fem Botman, of course, uh, Luke Shaw and Nico Williams. Martinelli, Son, Lingard, Sterling and... Don't know how you pronounce that guy's name from Aston Villa. I know the young one. Chuk. Chuk. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they'll know. And Erlen Haaland up front alongside Callum Wilson. We might be seeing that in Newcastle in a couple of years. And Joe Gelhard. Not a bad little team there. I'm just uh, I'm just counting how many Newcastle United players. So what, you've got two Newcastle players every in that, that yeah. team? Mm-hmm. I've gone for three. It'd be interesting to know as well your guys in the comments because uh, I don't know about you guys, but I... I do tend to pick Newcastle United players, even though I think it's more to do with a bit of blind faith than maybe expectation that they're actually going to do something. Every season without fail, I think I usually have two or three in, and then I think by the end of August they're usually um, they're usually out the team and, and they don't return. But look, this is this is <laughs> this is a different season where they probably will rack up some points this season. So hopefully they can stick around in the team longer than a month. It's interesting because I do think it tells you a little bit. I mean, if you're talking fullbacks in the Premier League obviously Alexander-Arnold is, is one of the best maybe the best but then Kieran Trippier is definitely up there he's not too far behind and after a full pre-season you know under Eddie Howe he's fit he's back from that injury we're going to see him at his very best motivation of the World Cup so you know he's up there um, Bruno we've talked about what class he is so that's why he's in in, in my team I'm hoping he can uh, sustain that goal scoring form of last season and then Wilson you know We've said on countless episodes, people in the comments are still saying it now. You know, if Callum Wilson stays fit, he's going to be up there with the very best in the Premier League. You're going to be looking at Southgate's squad 
for Qatar in December and saying, well, if Callum Wilson does what he, we know he can do, other than Harry Kane on form, is there going to be a better striker to take to the World Cup? Yeah, 100%. It's all, it's all that big if, isn't it, about, um, you know, will he stay fit? Can he put in a proper run of games? But look, I've included him in my team because of how well he played at the end of last season, how well he's done um, in pre-season as well. Botman, maybe I should think about benching him Saturday, given that he's not going to start because he's in my team <laughs> for the long run, but he might not be playing this week. But um, yeah, two in there at the minute. Um, maybe add Max in, depending on how he starts the season. Well, we've got Jonathan there saying he's got Anson Maxman in, um, but I've gone for I've gone for some some players a little more clinical. I mean, Son, Ward, Prowse, De Bruyne, and Bruno. I mean, that is if I do say so myself, that is a frightening midfield. I think. Yeah, that might be a St James's Park midfield in a couple of years if the owners get their top targets and Champions League football. Yeah, I've gone Son as well. Um, I'll probably cap him on the first weekend as well. Uh, Lingard, because I just think he's nailed on to score this Saturday um, at St James's. Uh, Sterling, good signing for Chelsea. Haaland, obviously, we think will hit the ground running, hopefully. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm confident with that right, team. I don't you, think you, it'll change. You say hopefully, hopefully not on the second home game for Newcastle United. <laughs> Fingers crossed, yeah. He misses another sitter like he did against Liverpool. Uh, Jordy Toon for life says if Wilson stays fit, he needs more creativity, and that's something that we lack badly. And someone did text me actually after Friday, and he, he, he said that. Um, he said that he, what came out of Friday for him was that it showed other than maybe the first 11 to 13, there's nothing really much else in that Newcastle United squad. Is that a little bit unfair, you think? Yeah, I think so. I think, um, you know, they've tried across January and the summer to add depth, um, which I think they have done. I think that midfield's looking strong now. You know, we're talking about um, Shelby being missing and I think we'd be happy with Anderson Willock or Longstaff filling in. I think they've got good depth in midfield. As we touched on, there's bodies in attack with um, Miggy and Fraser who'll do a job on their day. And the second string defence is is still strong. Kraft, um, the cells, one of the Shaw and Byrne, and then Dummett. So, yeah, look, I think that is quite unfair. I think there's I think there's depth there now. Hmm. Well, you mentioned Dummett there, and I, I knew there was one person I forgot to mention from the Bilbao game, um, and it was Paul Dummett. And to see him back sliding in like there's no tomorrow and winning the ball and you hear that kind of like that was that that was one of the joys of Saturday and the, the crowd loved it as well they were cheering every slide tackle he put in because you know he's he's legendary for it it's a good old Paul Dummett sliding tackle and he was yeah he was uh, looked a bit out of breath by the end of the game but you know he'd been put through it and to come back from from the injury and Again, it's a big season for him, but I thought he did a, he did a, he did he did decent, and he's a, he's a good backup, and it was just nice to see him back out on the pitch, getting some minutes into the legs, and and bringing out those good old Paul Dummett sliding tackles. Yeah, hundred percent. I was glad I was glad to see him starting. Um, maybe not up to speed yet, which is why he was probably the first sub off for Matt Bonswell. But um, yeah, I've just got my fingers crossed that he stays fit this uh, this season because he he deserves it after what he's gone through the last couple of years. And just going back to these teams here, I mean, I'm looking at um, Jesus, who's obviously moved to Arsenal, and Shizenko as well. And it's interesting because, I mean, obviously two players there, when you cast, two two positions when Newcastle were looking to strengthen um, and then, you you know, they've moved to Arsenal. Is that kind of the levels again, though? You know, Newcastle would have taken them two players, um, and but they've gone to Arsenal. And is that kind of... 
a reminder of the, the the levels of where Newcastle are and where they hope to be. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I know there was talk earlier this season that um, all the earlier this summer, sorry, that Zinchenko was obviously being offered to Newcastle. Um, look, he's you know there's still a long way to go before they're beating the likes of Arsenal. I know they did it at Bruno, but um, there's a there's a, a long way to go yet until they're beating them on a regular basis to signs like that. So good signing for Arsenal and a player that I definitely would have liked to see at Newcastle. There we have it. Well, the new season is quickly going to be upon us, just days away. And we're going to have plenty of content on the podcast channel later this week. A lot of people not liking the fact that Aaron uh, suggested Lingard might score against Newcastle. I just think, I just think it's, it's a certainty to happen on Saturday, given that he was off at Newcastle. We've said no, and I've just got nightmares of him turning up on Saturday and doing one at the very very end to give Forrest the win but look of course hopefully it doesn't happen right, he's going to get Meg by Bruno he's then going to miss a sitter and the crowd are going to be cheering like there's no tomorrow um, but yeah plenty of good content coming up on the website there's our uh, pre uh, new season preview which you can order as well that'll get delivered to your door you can pick it up in your news agents we're going to have a an extended episode tomorrow fans forum with Sam Mulner from Newcastle Fans TV he's going to answer all seven of them questions which I mentioned earlier we're then going to have the final episode for now of the Let's Talk About series we're going to have that on Alan St Maxwell we'll then have a Newcastle preview uh, looking ahead to Forest, and we'll also have the view from the opposition which of course will be the city ground we're going to get the insight into to Forest, uh, and we'll talk about like said, Jack Callback and what have you most likely and Lingard uh, there's plenty of stuff over on the website, so do head over to that. I'll pop the comments, the links into everything I've mentioned. That's um, you know this big forum, the league for the fantasy league. So do sign up to that as well. It's been a pleasure as always. Thank you very much for tuning in, and uh, have a pleasant Monday and enjoy the rest of your week. <laughs>